Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in reward. Awards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting in to my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, 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 coming down from the gallows and I don't have very another edition of the Steelers Hangover. It's a hangover, okay? Um, 
it's not a good one, whether yours is alcohol-induced or whether you're just bummed over the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers got absolutely manhandled by the 1-4 and four at the time, now 2-4 and four, Miami Dolphins down in South Beach in Week 6. Regardless, it was ugly. But we're here to talk about it. So if you want to chime in, you want to call in, you want to be a part of the show, you can do so. 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. Uh, I bring in my co-host now every Monday or the day after every game for our Steelers hangover, Brian Davis. How's it going, Brian? You know, there was an image in yesterday's game of Lawrence Timmons puking in the end zone. That's exactly what I was doing in my uh, living room yesterday. That's how I feel today. (laughs) It is not a good feeling. You know how bad your ribs hurt after you throw up all night because of a hangover? That's how I feel today, and I really wasn't vomiting. I just feel crappy, and that's how that team made me feel, Jeff. Absolutely. Now, um, aside from the phone number, which, again, if you want to call in, 347-850-8581, Brian, this is your first year doing this type of show. Uh, Sometimes we get a ton of callers. Sometimes we don't hardly get any. We're going to play it by ear. We're going to keep the lines open for you. If we we don't get any callers for a while, then we understand. Trust me, I understand. Um, There's a lot of things I'd rather do than talk about that game, but nonetheless, we can talk about the game. We can talk about Roethlisberger's knee injury. We can talk about the injuries that are uh, possibly injured players that are possibly returning. We can talk about the Patriots. We can talk about anything you want that isn't politics that's football-related. You want to call in and talk about Vontez Burford being the biggest turd in the NFL, you can. We can talk about that, trust me. But uh, let me give you a quick update for those that might not know. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has a torn meniscus. That news broke late Sunday night. It was Ron Cook, uh, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, that broke that news. A shocking source to me, but still, nonetheless, it turned out to be correct. Roethlisberger underwent surgery, arthroscopic outpatient surgery today on Monday. That's important for me uh, because arthroscopic means it's not a major surgery. Outpatient means that he's not spending the night in a hospital. This all goes and jives with uh, Dr. Chow, who does a lot of Twitter analysis. Some people don't like the guy. I love the guy. He's really right more than he is wrong. He used to be the team doctor for the San Diego Chargers. Now he does work for uh, NFL Network. He does work uh, for the Real Football Network, all that stuff. Uh, he said that this could be a, a an injury, that if the surgery went well and it was a minor injury, as he predicted, he's looking at one to three weeks that Roethlisberger would be out. Um, it was brought up today by Landry Jones, of all people, that Philip Rivers of the San Diego Chargers did have the same surgery in the past and was able to play that, that weekend. Uh, it seems like a quick turnaround, but nonetheless, we've seen crazier things from Roethlisberger. I'm not saying it's going to happen. My gut is the state of Roethlisberger will most likely miss this game, this Week 7 game against the New England Patriots. We'll enjoy the bye week to get healthy and be ready to go when the Steelers travel to Baltimore in Week 9 to play the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but my quick statement here to start the show, before we get to any callers, is ultimately – and I, there's an article that's going to publish tomorrow morning that I wrote about this. It's about the injuries, but at the very end of this article, I wrote something that I wanted to start off with tonight, and that is the goal for this team should always be first and foremost to win the division, period. Yeah, everyone would love a number one seed. I'd love a number one seed. I would love for the road to Super Bowl 51 and AFC Conference to go through Field. I would love nothing more. But at the same time, you have to understand that let's say it doesn't work out that way, if you still win your division, you still host at least one home game in the playoffs, 
and you have the chance, if upsets occur, of hosting more than one game. So if the Pittsburgh Steelers finish 12-4, and four, let's say they win their division, let's say that they're the third team in the AFC, they're going to be playing the lowest-seeded team in the playoffs in the wild-card round, um, they may have to travel, but they could have actually work its way back. I'm just saying you want to win your division. And ultimately, after all AFC North teams lost on Sunday, there is still a hope for that goal. That should be the ultimate goal. People don't want to hear it. People want to hear doom and gloom. They want to hear this, that, and the other. But ultimately, that should be the goal. Brian, I'll give you the floor now to talk about anything you really want. You can chime in on what I said or if you want to talk about something different. Go ahead and let us know what you're thinking at this point moving into week seven. You know, football's funny. I feel almost bipolar watching the Steelers right now. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. But here's the deal. This was not your typical trap game. We're going to hear the word trap just like we heard all last week. This could be a trap game, but I don't think it's going to be. This could be a trap game. You know, the word trap game, yeah, I mean, you could define it as it. I don't think so because Miami was pretty healthy coming into this game. This was the first time their entire line was completely back together. And that's not a bad offensive line. I mean, they had some guys that were out for, I mean, a good bit of the year, and they were finally solid, finally cohesive. Tannehill is not as bad as he looks on paper. He looked really good yesterday. But if you pressure him, he struggles. Did not pressure him whatsoever. Miami Somebody didn't give them the memo that they were supposed to lose this game. In fact, if they gave them the memo, they tore it up and got angry. That's exactly what happened in this game. But when Ben Roethlisberger went down, the team stopped playing. When he came back, he just couldn't, I mean, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, he was thrown off of his back foot. It just, it just wasn't happening. And there was a point where you actually thought that, all right, you know, they can do this. But the defense was completely stagnant and just looked bad all the way across the board. So, you know, a bad game, can they rebound from this? Yes. Landry Jones, I don't know. I have more to say about that <laughs> later, but Landry Jones, I do not know. No one knows with Landry Jones. That's the problem. Um, you just don't know what you're going to get. People are going to think about the good things, like the Arizona game last year where he comes in off the bench in relief of Michael Vick. Uh, he ends up orchestrating a drive. I'll remind people they had Martavis Bryant making plays all over the field in that game. Um, but still, it's one of those issues where you, you just hope that they can kind of rally the troops. Uh, it, it's not the end of the world. I don't think that the season is over. If you're looking at a silver lining to the cloud that the Steelers are currently under, the bye week's going to come at a perfect time, in my opinion, uh, an absolutely oh, perfect yeah. time. Uh, so it, it it it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how things pan out and, and all that. But uh, you know what? Let's get to the phone calls. We we have our Hall of Fame caller here on hold. Yeah, here he is, Vito from New Jersey. What's going on, Vito? Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Very I've been unfortunate better. loss. Very unfortunate loss yesterday. But just you know, after the first drive, when the Steelers didn't do anything, and then they had that beautiful play with Darius Hayward Bay. It just seemed to me that they were having a tough time clicking on offense. It just seemed like receivers weren't getting open, and that's why they had to come out with a play like that. And I'm just saying to myself, if this team that they played yesterday is the 32nd ranked, was it run defense in the league? Yeah. 
why are they having so much difficulty against teams like this? I mean, we're better than these guys. I mean, I thought our offensive line was supposed to be so great. I mean, I know Brian said that there's something special about this team, but when you looked at the way they played yesterday, it just seemed like they weren't clicking on all cylinders at times. And then the other thing I wondered is why did they abandon the running game? Why not give Bell more touches and try to, you know, maybe take the little things? Why not take the little, the little, you know, five yarders, the little six yarders, the little three yarders? I mean, if those are the little dink and dunks that are going to get you to, you know, get to the midfield and then be able to take some shots down the field, why do they abandon that at times? And then the other thing that that irks me is Ben always gets hurt. You look at other athletes, a lot of uh, quarterbacks, very few of them ever get hurt as much as he does. And, and that one was a freak was a freak one because you saw the guy went down and he grabbed his foot. It's just a freak injury to him. And unfortunately, I think one of the things we do have to think about is, you know, we may never get a full healthy season out of him anymore because as he's getting older and as he takes those poundings and as defenses are starting to hit him again, like last week I think he got sacked once. Yesterday he got hit at least twice and then a couple more roughing uh, near the end where they were grabbing him and throwing him around. I mean, as good as our offensive line is, think about it guys at times they do cave in and they do make mistakes and, and unfortunately you know how many more good years does this guy have left if we're lucky he has three so uh it was just a very concerning game and our defense is a concern again with injuries i mean you notice we couldn't do anything number one problem is we couldn't stop the run if we stopped these guys from rushing 200 yards it could be a different game and then the two key plays i think in the game and you guys are going to probably revert to this was ben forcing those throws and giving them phenomenal field position. That's definitely key problems there. And I think if you look at those two interceptions, you take away those 10 points, it's a whole different game. Now, mind you, they did miss two field goals. Otherwise, the score would have been 36 or 37 to 15 at the end. But it's just it's just amazing how as good of a team we are, we go face a team that's 1-4 and four and we fall apart. Last week, we faced the Jets that are 1-4 and four, who probably have a much better defense and we were able to pull away with a victory. So just very uh, unacceptable all the way around, coaching everything, and it's just its a shame. It really is. It's a shame because you just saw guys looked unprepared, and they just looked like they were out of sync most of the game. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, let, let, I want to talk about these items you brought up, Vita, which are all very valid. Um, one at a time. The first you mentioned was giving up on the run. I blew my mind. I mean, you look at the statistics after the game. Le'Veon Bell had 10 carries for 53 yards. He was averaging over five yards a carry. That's pretty basic math, and that's a pretty good hunk of change for every time he touched the football in the running game. If he only had 10 carries, he had he led the team in receptions with six for 55 yards. Le'Veon Bell only touched the ball 16 times. I'm sorry. When you have a player that's that dynamic, I don't care how you get him the football, you need to get him the football. Um, and 16 times, I would say that he needs to have that number doubled. He should be touching the ball about 30 times a game, in, mixing in, running pass. Uh, that's ideal. Uh, for me, personally, I think I might have said this last week. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm done with the D'Angelo Williams, Le'Veon Bell experiment in terms of sharing the backfield. It just isn't working. They gave D'Angelo Williams some time at the beginning of the game, and it just didn't look right. I think the offensive line has gotten accustomed to Le'Veon Bell, and they're not accustomed to Angela Williams. It takes time. It takes rhythm. It takes, you know, practice, and that's something they don't have. Uh, so if, if this team is going to win, and I'm not talking about Sunday. I'm talking about the long haul because we still have half over half a season left to play. Uh, they need Le'Veon Bell to be a main factor in the game. 
Uh, it seemed like they were forcing the ball to Antonio Brown. I'm not sure why. Um, ultimately, a lot of head-scratching decisions from the play-calling aspect of things and the, the approach to the game. It just didn't really make a lot of sense. They didn't look comfortable. They didn't look in rhythm. And it was directly correlated to how poorly they played. Um, also, you said Ben Roethlisberger and his health. It, it, it's sad to say, but before every season, I, I tell anyone that will listen, Roethlisberger is not going to play 16 games. He's only done it three times in his career where he hasn't missed a game. And he's been in the league well well longer than, you know, over 10 years. So you have to assume that there's going to be a game or two, hopefully not worse than that, where he's not going to be able to play. So you have to ask yourself, how many years does he have left? I mean, he was healthy. He looks in great shape up until this injury. Uh, we'll see if it lingers. Everything that I've read that's reported by medical doctors states that it shouldn't linger. Um, that he should already be walking on the knee. That I, I don't know. I've never had a torn meniscus. I've, I've never had to undergo arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, but still, I think it's time in this off season. I said this before this season when we were talking about the NFL draft that this is not the 2016 was not the year to pick up a quarterback. I thought that 2017 would be the year to possibly get a quarterback to maybe be the future or at least the backup for Roethlisberger. I still think he has three or four good years left in. But, again, you bring up the offensive line and how they can collapse at times, well, injuries. I mean, you have Chris Hubbard. You've got um, B.J. Finney seeing some time. Uh, Jesse James is certainly not a good blocker. So, um, ultimately, it, it's just constantly we're talking about injuries. Brian, what do you think? Well, first of all, the running game, that just drove me absolutely crazy yesterday. It seems in, in, under Mike Tomlin, this team tries to outthink the other team and do opposite of what they should be doing or what the other team thinks that they should be doing. You know, on third and one, when Landry Jones is at quarterback, they ran on first down, ran on second down, they got nine yards. Pretty good haul. You have the best running back in the game right now. You said he was averaging over five yards a carry. Why is Le'Veon Bell not getting the ball in that situation? Finish it up because that pass play, that was horrendous. He looked completely, it was just one pass play, but he looked completely befuddled and out of sync, and he looked like he did against Cincinnati when he was in the wild card game, when he was a deer in the headlights. He just looked out of place and scared out there, and that's exactly what happened. They did not have to put him in a situation where he had a pass on three and third and one. If there was another, if there was a uh, another series for him, or if they get that first down, you know, maybe have him throw on first down and maybe get some confidence in that situation. But when you have Levy on Bell, you run that guy, and they didn't do it. They just abandoned that and said, "All right, we have to pass our way back in this game." Hey, Miami was doing them favors most of the game. They were not behind by much in that game. So they very easily could have come back if, if they would have done the right thing. They got out coast yesterday. And I know that drives, me cra- it drives everybody crazy when I say that, but they really did get out coast. As far as the quarterback situation, yeah, you know, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, the guy is getting older. The guy is going to get hurt a whole lot easier. I mean, I hate to see what Ben's going to look like when he's 60. Guy's going to have trouble walking. He has absorbed so many hits over the last 13 seasons. It's just uh, I, I worry about that for him. But 
in in the next four seasons that we think we're going to get out of him, we're gonna we're gonna get games out of him. He's gonna be our quarterback. But like Jeff said, yeah, maybe for twelve games, and that's missing a quarter of an entire season. People get mad at me every time I bring up the New England Patriots. I'm going to bring them up twice on this call. The first time I'm going to bring them up is the New England Patriots do not lose games like this. They step up and they beat the teams they are supposed to beat every single time. And that's what happens. And when they have a backup, they still beat those teams they're supposed to beat, even the teams they're not supposed to beat. It doesn't matter who's in there. They win those games. The other thing the New England Patriots do, and they've done it a few times since 2011, in the second round, they pick up a quarterback because they know what could possibly happen. In 2011, they picked up Ryan Mallett for insurance in the second round. In 2014, they picked up Jimmy Garoppolo. And you see how well that worked out this year. That worked out for them. So in 2017, quarterback is definitely high up on the list. Not to replace Ben. But I say it every time, you need to protect the team when he is not in there. And I'm so tired of the comments that every time I write about backup quarterback, it's like, ah, we're screwed anyways if Ben goes down. No, it's not supposed to be that way. We don't need to be screwed if Ben goes down. We need to have a backup plan and a guy that can get it done when he's not in there, somebody Ben can coach. Now, if you want him to be around another four seasons, do what the Packers did when they when they picked up Aaron Rodgers. He didn't see any action until year number three. And look how well he's doing now. I mean, he's, he's having potentially a Hall of Fame career. So you don't have to start from day one as a quarterback. You just need to be in the system and be ready when it's time to go. Landry Jones is not that guy. He was not ready yesterday. And even though Ben came back, Ben came back injured, and he shouldn't even have been back in that game. But they had no choice, Jeff. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, it, it's definitely a trickle down effect, and I ultimately think that when we talk about you know you talk about injuries, that's where it all starts. It's it's injuries, and it's not being able to get players like Ryan Chazier. I mean, he's that dynamic, that player, and, and some people might say, well, Vince Williams is doing a good job. He is doing a good job, but ultimately, he's not Ryan Chazier. Ryan Chazier is a one and once in a NFL in terms of rosters and depth kind of player, and, and you watch the, those running, the running back just these gaping holes. Shazier's typically that guy that's able to shoot that hole, beat the blockers there, and make a play. Um, and he might not always make the tackle, but he's at least going to disrupt the timing and hopefully allow his teammates to rally. I think the injury to Cameron Hayward was noticeable for a lot of different ways. He's so good at run stopping. He's so good at pressuring a quarterback. Um, just bad. Just really bad. And you know, we can get to the Patriots a, a lot uh, tonight if we want, uh, if you want to talk about that. Or uh, if you want to dwell on the the Dolphins game, um, I'm kind of of the ilk that I'm just going to burn that thing. I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, Vito, before we, uh, before we let you go, got anything else? Yeah, thinking about something as good as our offense is, we should be able to be able to handle these guys in shootouts. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you got the number one wide receiver apparently, right? You got the number one running back, correct? He was throwing constantly mm-hmm. to Sammy Coates, who was double teamed. So, Sammy Coates is double teamed. Isn't someone else open? I mean, Bell, can't, uh, Bell and, and Brown can't both be double teamed, right? And what about Darius Hayward? So, I'm saying, if we're this type of team that's supposed to be able to put up 30 points, I mean, really, 
why aren't we able to match these guys drive for drive? Think about that. When you you know, as good as an offense as we're supposed to be, we should be able to go toe to toe with anybody if if that's the way we're built to go. Right? This is the best offensive line he's ever had. He's got the best pieces around him. And for some reason, we weren't able to do that yesterday. I noticed at times the offensive line was getting pushed around by these guys, too. And I'm saying to myself, why is this happening? These guys are supposed to be better than the other guys. So, you know, there's definitely a problem somewhere. And I think coaching has a lot to do with it. you got to be honest with you. When Pittsburgh had the coaching staff years ago, when they had Wisenhunt and they had a couple of other people, Arians, they had some great coaches on that team at one time. And that's why they were constantly you know, winning a lot of tough games. It seems like now they're not winning these tough games, and, and that's a problem. I mean, like you said, why isn't New England able to do it and we can't? So we got to look within and find out why this keeps happening because it's unacceptable. I mean, think about this, Jeff, and I've said this over and over to you guys. You're supposed to go all out every play, and it didn't look like we were doing that yesterday. And I understand there's injuries, and I understand all those things, but you know what? Other teams have them too, and they find a way to win. So we need to be that organization that finds a way to win. And for some reason, we don't seem to do that. Against the Eagles, we couldn't do it. And yesterday, we were in that game through most of the game until, you know, a few bad plays caused us to get out of the game. So that's just me. Maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too aggressive here in thinking, but, you know, I guess as a fan and as, a, as, as someone who follows the sport every Sunday – you know, you want your team to give an all-out effort. I mean, you look at the Seattle game yesterday, it came down to the final minute. I mean, if you're going to lose that way because of a bad play, I'm okay with that. But to lose the way they lost, that's unacceptable to me, especially with the offensive line we have and all the money these guys are earning. I mean, come on. got people making $6 million, $10 million. They're earning all kinds of money. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's unacceptable, and it's got to be fixed, and it's got to be fixed soon if we want to have a chance of making a playoff run. That's it for me, guys. I don't want to get any more upset and make you guys upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, great. Thanks for the phone call, Vito. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks. Good night, Vito. Well, you know, something that he mentioned, and I didn't say this, and I'm not one to, you know, it, it's tough. I've I've done my share of coaching, um, and if you've coached at any level, I would say high school and above, as, you're, as a head coach, um, regardless of the sport, you know that, you could put in the best plan possible for your team, a plan that you know is going to succeed. And if they don't go out and execute, then you're basically, you're, you're handcuffed. You're, you're tied, your hands are tied on, on the sideline. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm the head coach of the varsity level, a playoff game last year. Um, in a play in our first playoff game, there's a lot of stuff going on in the field that my players weren't necessarily prepared for, uh, I drew it up for them. I knew exactly what to do. They just weren't able to execute it. So, yeah, some of that goes on me, and some of the blame for the Steelers goes on, on the Steelers as well. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and say that the whole onus is on the, the coaching staff. Uh, the coaches, they get way too much blame when they lose and not enough praise when they win, in my opinion. I think that, you know, when the team wins, everyone says, all oh, the players are so great, and when they lose, all the coaches suck. Um, I think this is a little bit of both. I didn't like the offensive game plan coming in. And, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong here or give me your input. The, the Steelers in, in the NFL, and, and most most football teams actually do this, they script out probably about the first ten plays. Uh, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback will sit down and will say, okay, what ten plays do we want to start off the game with, whether we have the first possession or whether we have the ball after the first possession? What do we want to start the game off with? And this is typically, and you've seen this with the Steelers in, in you know, years past, 
This is when you'll see them drive down the field, make it look really easy. They've been practicing those 10 plays all week. No wonder it looks easy. It didn't look easy against the Dolphins, okay? And I thought it looked really rough. Uh, you could say the same thing against Philadelphia. Go back to the Kansas City game. It looked smooth. Jets game, smooth. The other game that they won. And he watched them as a slow start, but the offense still had a little bit of gel to it. They looked like they were on the same page. Haven't seen it in the two losses. Maybe just a little bit of a tell. Are you seeing the same thing, or is it just me? No, they uh, in the two losses, they looked completely different. They just couldn't get off um, like they had in those other games. And it seemed that for some reason, if the plan doesn't go right with this team, then they panic. And I don't know what it is. I don't know where that's coming from, but it it seems like they're not uh, thinking outside the box sometimes. I'm not saying the coaches in that situation. I think the players. Um, I think it reminds me of the way Cordell Stewart used to pass the ball when when he said, all right, I'm throwing to uh, the X receiver. And uh, he could be quadruple covered, and he was thrown to him because he had no peripheral vision, couldn't find anybody else. I'm wondering about the per- the mental peripheral vision of this team of uh, looking for other options. And um, that was glaring yesterday. I mean, and it goes back. I mean, the, I, you're right. I don't think the game plan was very good yesterday just for the fact that you didn't, you just didn't stick Le'Veon Bell down their throat. And uh, when you bring up the fact that this is, a uh, very low-ranked run defense. I mean, this is a team that has been uh, giving up over a hundred some yards a game, and uh, and uh, for a team that was uh, and the Steelers were were getting the same amount that they were giving up, and they just couldn't they just couldn't do it. And it was the same thing on the other side of the ball. The uh, Dolphins came in averaging 72 yards a game on the ground. The Steelers were averaging giving up 77 yards a game. And uh, we saw one guy get 204 yards, just like that. The worst output since 2000 when Fred Taylor went for 234 against the Steelers. And that was 16 years ago. It was just a, everything just was stagnant yesterday from the beginning. But when Ben went out, I think that team stopped. Yeah, and I don't want to be an apologist here, uh, but I will say from an offensive standpoint, because that's kind of what we were talking about there, is they've played some really good defensive fronts in the first six games. I mean, think about it. Washington's no slouch. They're not maybe a top ten, but they're no slouch. Uh, then you obviously have in week two the Bengals, great defensive front with Geno Atkins oh, yeah. and Carlos Dunlap. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles, very unique. It's something the Steelers aren't used to in the way that they set up. Um, they're good. Uh, week four, Kansas City. Cost? I mean, we know all about Don Terry Poe and, and all those guys. Um, and then you have the Jets. And those front four is just they're monsters. And then even Miami. Look at some of the players they have. Cameron Wake, Ndamukong Stu. These are big-name players that are getting a lot of money to play. And so a lot of people want to just get on the offensive line and say, you know, ah, these guys suck and they're supposed to be so good. So let's, let's look at the 16 defensive fronts that they've played against. It's, they've been really good units. I mean, I, like I said, I don't want to be an apologist because ultimately I think that you should be able to put your best out there and, and your best should be their best. But ultimately, I don't know, Brian, if you agree or disagree, they've had a tough road to hoe. And, and believe it or not, the New England Patriots in Week 7 could 
could be the easiest defensive front to offensive line has faced this entire season. Yeah, you know what? You're you're absolutely right. This might be uh, the easiest defense they're going up against, but the problem is the offense on the other side of the ball. Um, and right. the, uh, if your general's not going to be there, if you're relying on uh, on thunderstruck Landry Jones, then then you, you've got a problem. If Ben's in there and Ben's healthy, this is an awesome game. Yeah, and it, it was the star-studded game everyone was hoping for. I, I I truly believe that even Tom Brady was hoping that he played because. Like I said, you want your best to beat their best. And it's just like last year in 2015 when they were going to open the season and all the talk was that Brady wasn't going to be able to play because of the deflategate scandal. Ben Roethlisberger said, I want him to play. I want him to be out there. I'm sure that Brady feels the same way. I don't think Belichick he might did. feel that he... way, but still. <laughs> Brady came out and made a comment about it. And I don't yeah. know exactly what the yeah, difference sure it is, but it was, even, it was even like don't even count them out. But uh, I mean, it was very pro Ben. It was it was a nice comment, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I read that article for our uh, for the website. He did it on a radio interview. He just said he's as tough as nails. He's not going to rule him out for this week. He's been with the team a long time. Uh, they've had a lot of good battles together, stuff like that. But let's get to some phone calls. We have some people on hold. All right, let's go eight three two two five six six five eight eight. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. What's up, Jeff and Brian? It's Melvin. How's it going, man? Hey, Melvin, how was your trip to Western Maryland? Oh, uh, it was fine until 1 o'clock <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> um, I was going to touch on a, on a couple of points. One, when uh, uh, Vito was talking about this team is, uh, is better than that. That team that was placed on that field on defense, no, that is not a championship defense. The the team the the eleven that played last Sunday that is not a championship defense by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, when you, when it was talked about with coaching and and talking about with Tomlin, I I kind of look at Tomlin and I'm kind of endeared to him because the man is two months older than me. We well, he's born in March of seventy two. I was born in May of seventy two. And you look at Belichick. Belichick was at Cleveland and didn't do it, didn't do anything. But I'm sure he learned a lot. And I think that as Steeler fans, we are so spoiled, rotten. You would you would actually think that some fans would actually have the nerve to think that we're going to go 16 and 0. It's not going to happen. It never was going to happen. At the beginning of the, at the beginning of the year, I said 12 and 4. I'm thinking more like 11 and 5, 10 and 6 now. Uh, with with Ben being out, but our defense, our defensive front, we can have Dion on one corner, Mel Blunt on the other, Troy at Troy at the strong, and Ronnie Lott at the free. I don't care who you are, if you are a professional quarterback and you draw a paycheck and you have a position of one out of thirty-two, you give me five seconds. I'm going to beat you all day long. I don't care who it is. You give an NFL quarterback five seconds and you run a zone or or you run man, and they're going to kill you. I don't care who it is. 
Now, to Tomlin, going back to Coach Tomlin, the only the one thing that I can say, if, if there is a criticism that I'm going to have of him and that, and of the coaching staff, I really don't think that they adjust on the fly well. Minor tweaks, minor adjustments, yeah, but big. I mean, big injuries. Like, okay, nobody expects for your your quarterback to go down. Okay, you got the best, by far probably one of the best, if not the best, running back in the league. You know what? What I'm going to do is, okay, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. Okay, put seven in the box. I think Landry Jones can do well enough with seven in the box to say, you know what, let me see if I can hit Sammy Coates over the top. Let me see if I can hit Jesse James or Grimble uh, over the middle in, in the middle of the, in the football field. I, if there's any if there's any criticism I have of the coaching staff, it would it would be not being able to make the adjustments uh, on the fly. But that defense, guys, Jeff, you and I talked uh, earlier this year, and you said if your defense was willing, if you would say your defense is going to give up 16, 17 points a game with the assumption that your offense is high-powered enough, which they are, to score anywhere from 28 to 30 points a game, we'd be happy with it. True. But I will say this. When you look at Super Bowl teams, teams that have won a Super Bowl throughout the year, their de- their defense has won them one or two games, Period. I, I charge you to find me a Super Bowl winning team that relied completely and totally on their offense and their defense did not sneak out a win or two when their offense was down. And that's what, we, that's what we're going to have to have, guys. At some point, you know, I know nobody wants to talk about injuries. Y'all talked about injuries. Nobody wants to talk about injuries. Yeah, injuries happen. But when injuries happen – Somebody's got to step up. And my last point is this. Miami was a caged, hurt dog in the corner. They're one and four. They just got beat by the Titans in overtime. Their head coach called them out. Do you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a humongous, gargantuan target on their back? You beat, if you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, you've done something. Look at look at what has Buffalo done since they beat New England. What has happened since then? And they fire and after they fired the offense coordinator, they beat the big monster. Even if Tom Brady wasn't out there, what have they done since then? It's amazing what happens when you have a bullseye on your back and everybody's taking a shot at you, and you're one and four. You don't have nothing. You don't have nothing in the world to lose. But you know what? It's just like when you're in high school, you got two games you got to win, your big crosstown rival and homecoming. And the Steelers are one of those teams where if you can beat the Steelers, now you can stand up, you can, you can, you can put your chest out and get your shoulders back for a little bit. So I know I'm a little bit longer-winded than I was, but uh, <laughs> I, I've been thinking, about, I've been thinking okay. about this game for the last couple of days, man. Well, you and me both. I have a couple couple things to think about is in the two games that they've lost on the road, and technically let's go to all three games that they've lost on the road. Zero sacks, okay. 
and I would say you would have less than 10 quarterback hits. Now, I know they only had two on Tannehill. I think they only had two on Wentz. I can't think of how many they had on Cousins. It wasn't many. It might be around five or six. For some reason on the road, they can't get after the quarterback. But here's another thing that people need to realize, and that was probably one of the worst defensive performances we've seen from the Steelers in a long time. Um, But they were in that game. And, yes, a lot of it was, you know, the missed field goal. But Dan McCullers blocking the field goal was important. But they were holding the Dolphins the field goals. In my opinion, looking back at the game, they were giving the Steelers offense chances to do what they were supposed to do. In, in my opinion, again, you watch the first half of the game, and even in the third, they were being their bend but don't break usual selves. They're going to let them move down the field. They're going to tighten up in the red zone. And they're going to force teams to kick field goals and not score touchdowns. If it weren't for two Roethlisberger interceptions, who knows what would have happened. But ultimately, there were some big swings in terms of penalties. I still don't understand why the Dolphins, once they, they go for that onside kick, they don't get it. Steelers would have had great field position. And then we don't want to get into officiating too much. But a lot of things happen. I don't want people to think that this defense, because like you said, they're going to have to win a game or two, and they haven't done that yet. It's still, in, in, I guess, in my opinion, it's, ad, it's as advertised. We knew that they weren't going to be a sack machine without Bud Dupree and without Harrison getting a lot of reps and Jarvis Jones getting picked on a lot uh, yesterday in the game. But this team technically did their job up until the waning minutes when the um, Dolphins were able to break through. Uh, Brian, what do you think? First of all, uh, Melvin, are you back in Dallas? No, I'm I'm still up here in Frederick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to be in Frederick tomorrow. We're going to have to hang out. But uh, oh, here's, cool. here's the thing, Melvin. First of all, December 71 here. So I have both you and Mike Tomlin beat. And I just want to tell you, that was a great call. I, I love everything you had to say. And uh, you actually agreed with some of my points from the beginning of the call when I said that Miami tore up the memo that they were supposed to lose this game, you're right. They were hungry. They cut. Gaze cut mm-hmm. two offensive linemen and two other players before this game. If that doesn't send a message to your team, then I don't know what's going to. There was also a fired-up crowd there, and it was great that Miami had a fired-up crowd there, but they were playing for their lives yesterday. And they, mm-hmm. they, they won. It's like the show Survivor when, uh, when you're playing for another week. That's what these teams did. They played for another week yesterday. I'm sorry, the, the, what the Dolphins did. They played for another week. Um, as far as the coaching goes, yeah, I, I agree, and I'm not blaming this on the coaching staff. I, I know it might sound that way, but I agree with you that it's, they seem a little myopic to me. They cannot handle adversity when something goes wrong and it's not on the script. They don't change the script well. So that's actually mm-hmm. everything that you just said, Melvin. They don't change the script, and I'm wondering why they can't shift on the fly. So that's my whole criticism, too, and I just feel that, that that's just not being done, and that's the biggest problem that this team has. Now, as far as the defensive side of the ball, when you have Tyler Medikavich in there, who didn't look that yeah. bad yesterday, but he's not supposed to be in there. They were dropping like flies. Vince Williams went off yesterday. He came back. 
Mike Mitchell went off. He came back, but probably played banged up. Coming back in that game, Tewitt went off, came back, but you know who's banged up. Timmons was throwing up. They were winded mm-hmm. in that, that humidity. They were, they were just gassed. not prepared yesterday. They were gassed. It just didn't seem right. When the script goes wrong and you can't, uh, you can't change on the fly, I mean, when the script goes wrong, you get out the stick and you draw it up in the dirt. But you go ahead and do it. It's no excuse. But here's what I'm gonna, where I'm going to get on the coaching staff. No excuse to run the best running back only 10 times in that game. That is no excuse. That's my biggest criticism, and I'm going to leave it at that. Hey, I was going to ask you before I go, uh, how much, you know, at first I was like, you know, I'm kind of old school. I remember the days when you got water, when when they told you to get water. But I'm, I'm wondering, is there, how much, is there really anything to when Ben had said that he had thought that the practices were a little bit too physical and that could possibly be uh, one of the reasons why you look, we sometimes we look like we're made out of paper mache out there. You know, I'm not there. You know, I don't know if you guys have any insight as to what goes on in practice and, and um, you know, in, in, in the week. You know, I know the, with the CBA and everything, you only have so many pad, practices and pads, things of that nature. You know, is there any truth to that, or is that just, you know, is that just a little a little BS right there? What do you guys take on that? And then I, I'll just listen to the rest of the show. Um, Appreciate it. We, we can hang out while I'm in Frederick, by the way. <laughs> there <laughs> so you go. Hit us right. up on Twitter. Um, so but the answer to this question about the Roethlisberger comments on um, – the practice situation, I'm clearly not there. Um, I think a lot of the comments were made geared towards training camp. Uh, Tom had what most would call an extremely tough, physical, rigorous training camp, and a lot of people would be okay with that. Um, but at the same time, you have to wonder about the wear and tear on the body, and he was probably sticking up for his offensive line. Uh, you know, he saw Ramon Foster go down, then Marcus Gilbert goes down, Gerald Hawkins, the rookie from LSU, he had gone down with a shoulder injury. But like Melvin said, in the current uh, collective bargaining agreement, they don't have, they don't, uh, should they, they only have so many padded practices allotted to them per season. And they can use those as they want, um, but most of the time teams will always, you know, split, spread them out, go with shells most of the time, and just work on, you know, that type of stuff. No one really knows unless you're a beat writer and you're there every practice every day what they're doing in practice. But um, it was a strange comment. I'm not really sure that has anything to do with the injuries. The injuries that you're seeing sustained are a lot of them are like look at Marcus Gilbert is a perfect example. That that fluke he gets his knee his ankle rolled up on and then he's out for two weeks. Hopefully he comes back next week. Brian, do you buy to that into that uh, theory at all? Well, you know what I. I don't think it's just the Steelers working hard. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a story. My best friend in the world for 30-plus years, he lives in Los Angeles, and I went down there once, and I went to work out with him, and I looked around the room, and there was Deshaun Jackson, Willie McGinnis, the uh, host from Dancing with the Stars, everybody was there, and he ends, up, he ends up talking to Willie McGinnis a lot in the locker room. And this was about two years ago, and he said to Willie, he's like, What's the deal with all the injuries with the Steelers right now? Is it are they not? I mean, are they soft? 
is it the coaching? He was like, no, man. He said, it's not the coaching. Those guys are given – all 32 teams are given the, given, the same, given the same resources. And all of them just practice hard. And that's what you do in this game. You practice hard to play football. Because if you don't practice hard, you don't stay on the field because there's someone else trying to take your job. So you are living and dying every week to keep your job. And that's, that's basically what he said to him. He's like, so these guys are just out there. They're, they're, they're playing for their lives in the NFL. And uh, they're, go, they're going to hit in practice. And, you know, Ben has a red jersey in practice uh, or whatever color jersey he has in practice. He's not getting hit. And he said that. I'm not getting hit. But he was. You're correct. He was sticking up for his offensive line. And Ramon Foster came out right away and said, thank you, Ben. He's like, that unify the team. That, I mean, they play for Ben Roethlisberger. And it goes to the fact that they just uh, they were beat up. They were too beat up yesterday. And that's exactly what happened. And Miami was not beat up. In fact, Miami was getting healthy. Miami got some bad news today. The most dynamic defensive player on their team, Rashad Jones, is probably gone for the year. This just came out about 90 minutes ago with a shoulder injury. So um, they figured that he's out for the year. But for the most part, that team, nobody was going off, limping off the field for Miami, and they were very healthy going to that game. Like we said, their offensive lines for the first time all season long were together and playing, and they looked good too. So it's, and you look across the field, the, guy in the, the guys in the black jerseys, that's even third-string guys because they have to. And after a while, when you have parity in a league, that, that's not going to add up, and you're going to struggle against a hungry team like Melvin said. So that's exactly what happened in yesterday's game, if you ask me. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And so uh, let's get to another caller who's been patiently waiting on, on the line. Uh, let's see if we can get this person on the air. 646-585-0165. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. Jeff and Brian, what's up? This is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. Hey, Bryce. Hey, Bryce. What's going on? Hey, hey, what's going on? So, yeah, let's let's get into it. You know, first things first, um, a couple points. One, you know, and, and I've used this phrase before, what, what we got yesterday was was wacky Todd. Um, we've we've gotten a lot of good Todd, but yesterday we got <laughs> wacky Todd, and I think Melvin's point was good. There was no, you know, there was no adjustment to the game plan. Um, I thought when you've got a third string right tackle in there, and you've got you know one to one matchups, you've got some good guys on the Miami defensive front, as we've seen from the other teams we played, as you guys have brought up. I thought it was going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of running the football, um, and we just didn't get that. We got the we got wacky Todd yesterday, herky jerky. Too many deep throws, not enough throws over the middle, slants, curls, ends, not enough establishing the run, just kind of feast or famine, herky-jerky type of offense. Todd Hayden needs to ask himself, outside of the deep ball, what is the identity of his offense? And whatever that answer is, he needs to strongly build around it. And it needs to be number 26 and number 34. There's no reason why those two players, they can't get creative to find ways to get to them the football, to build this to build this offense from the inside out. There's going to be plenty of deep shots. I don't understand why. Todd Haley almost calls the game like a player. 
It's like he gets too greedy. And there are times where you need to be an ultimate strategist, use these chess pieces you have, because this offensive line is good enough to run the football and take control of the game. And I thought yesterday, even when you take away the the 60-yard run, they had a good average running the football, just not enough attempts, particularly in a close game like that. Yeah, you're right, Bryce, and and like you said, if I were to say what the identity outside of the default is, exactly what you said, but I'm going to say one number, number 26, because Le'Veon Bell is a unique talent in the National Football League. Very few players can run the ball like he does and catch the ball like he does. And so with a dual threat like that, the fact that he only got 16 touches in that football game someone's head should go for that. I'm not saying Todd Haley should be fired or anything like that. Right. But there should be some serious conversations going on in the, in the meeting rooms the, between the coaching staff saying, what in the hell was that? Because let's be honest, up until probably the last seven minutes of the game, the Steelers still had every opportunity to claw their way back into yes. it. And here's the thing is that I felt that they could claw their way back into it with the running game. Most people think, oh, well, you got to throw it to get back in it. Not with only down by one score – um, I think that they they definitely abandoned the run too early. Le'Veon Bell should be the primary focus. And if you listen to some of the comments after the game, we run that uh, inside the locker room article with some of the offensive linemen that spoke. I'm not sure if we had all those guys on there. But uh, David DeCastro was very open about offensive linemen want to run block. They, they want to go and right. be on the attack. They want to be on the they want to be the aggressor and not backpedaling, protecting in the pass play. And he also mentioned, probably to the point, it always sets up everything else. If you can run the football, it sets up play action. It brings safeties yeah. into the box, which is going to give Sammy Coates and Antonio Brown more. That should be the number one goal for this team moving forward is running the football. Brian, what do you think? That's everything I'm saying to you. I That's what I've been saying all evening long. Levy on Bell, Levy on Bell, and Levy on Bell. I agree with Bryce about Wacky Todd. I mean, I... <laughs> I love Todd Ailey. I actually was uh, one of the few guys that uh, liked him three years ago when everybody was saying fire Todd Haley. In fact, right. I even, uh, when Snoop Dogg um, was called for his head, I even wrote a letter to Todd saying that uh, don't listen to Snoop Dogg, he's crazy, and he sent, me a, he sent me a signed picture back thanking me for his support. I like <laughs> Todd Haley, but he, <laughs> I actually like Snoop Dogg, too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, here's the deal. When you have – when you have to, you know, get back together on the fly, you go back to basics. And they just did not go back to basics. Was it wacky, Todd, or was it panicky, Todd? Did he feel that he just had to to throw the ball deep? Was he playing Madden? Was he he coaching like he was playing Madden? Because that's sort of what it seemed like to me yesterday, too, with the offensive game plan. It was just all – it was confusing to me. I, yeah. I just didn't get it. I, you know, I know we're sitting on our couches. We're not in the trenches. We're not on the sidelines. We, we're not seeing what they're seeing. But to me, a guy that is rushing over five yards of carry and looks as good as he does everything that, that uh, Le'Veon Bell was doing yesterday just looked effortless. Right. But he just wasn't given the opportunity to keep on going. And I don't get it. And I love the fact that, that uh, um, you utilize a weapon like Darius Hayward Bay and get a touchdown out of it. For, I mean, that guy is the fastest guy on the team. He was running 22 mile per hour 
in practice the other day, according to the chip in his uh, in his shoulder pads. That's how fast this guy is. Utilize a guy like that. That's great. But don't get caught up in trying to go long and and uh, just trying to get it back all at once. With the team that was on the other side of the field, as hungry as they were, if you would have just beaten them up on the ground with a guy like Le'Veon Bell, that game would have been a different story. But they panicked, and they just didn't adjust well. And, and I know I keep going back to that, but it was just a very weird game, and it didn't have to be that way. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it was it was wacky because it was Wacky Todd who and, – and maybe part of Wacky Todd is, you know, points get to, you know – get the 30 points and, 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 and let's get it in chunks. And it was too much of that. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to be, um, you know, even with that, before I go on to the next point, I know you guys talk about 26 and, and that's a given, but that's why I think 34 has got to be there too. When you've got a folk like back, like 26, who can line up in the slot, that's room for 34 to also keep the defense honest and run the football while 26 is in the slot. Like, you know 26 is going to get his touches. But one thing Falk never had was a 34-type back backing him up. So Todd's got all of these things with an offensive line that has proven it can run the football, you know, when you give them enough attempts. So, you know, you've got to really build that offense around that. And what AB is going to see is that things are going to continue to open up. Like, like, tr- trust me, in, in 16 games, the offense will open up if Todd commits to a type of physical football that this team needs to play. Um, you know, they can beat the – if they can do that, they can beat the Patriots. But if they don't, they're not, you know. But, I, but, but, but they got to do it, and they got to stick with it. My second point kind of goes to something Jeff and I have talked about. Jeff, it is time to concede. These outside linebackers are stinky, man. Woo. Jeff, they're bad, man. I mean, yeah. they don't do – I mean, look, you're talking – and it's not just, okay, yeah, they're bad. It's goose egg bad. Like, there'll be no pressures, no fumble recoveries, no forced fumbles, no picks, no sacks. I mean, it's multiple goose eggs, and the defense cannot put out multiple goose eggs in the NFL and, and expect to win. Every time they've done that, they have lost. It's like, it's like they just show up and collect a check. You can't do that. I mean, there's not, they're not affecting the game at all. When can, when can you ever imagine a Steeler defense where the outside guys have not affected a game like this? This is bad. I, I, can't, I can't remember a game where it's been this bad. And I know fans were excited when it was reported that Anthony Trachillo was announced as the starter for the game. I was, I yeah. That's because he's... I don't know if he's it's because he went to school in Miami, from down there, whatever the case may be. But there's a reason that article didn't show up on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and that was because I thought it was like, it's not going to matter. I mean, Anthony Chiquillo is not the, the next star in, in waiting in the wings. He's not – some, someone compared him to Mike Rabel on our website. I'm like, please, come on, seriously. Like, these, these outside linebackers are just – whether it's Arthur Notes, uh, whether it's Anthony Jaquilla, Jarvis Jones, I'm sorry, but in the first half, they ran at him every Ooh. single time. That's and supposed to be a strength, too, Jeff. Abused. It yeah, is. that's supposed he to be a strength. And it just it was bad. James Harrison, when he gets in there, I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe age is catching up with him, but 
I don't think they're really putting him in situations because they're running so many sub packages with the nickels and nickel and dime where he has that – what everyone's used to seeing from him is that just that straight edge rush. It's just not good. It doesn't look like it's going to get any better. No one knows if Bud Dupree's going to be able to come back this season at all. I think it's safe to say that as of right now, the number one need on the Steelers draft next year is, I hate to say it, it's outside linebacker. I mean, how many it's years are you saying this? They're going to be looking at an edge rusher again. Um, I don't have much hope with any of these guys on the current roster. I think Arthur Rose is a great depth guy. He can play right and left. He's going to be a guy that can spell somebody. He's not a starting line outside linebacker, period. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Jeff, not only in the April draft, but maybe in March free agency, you might even have to look at an outside linebacker because you're just not going to fix a good one guy right now. Yeah, they got a lot of money coming off the books. They're going to have to invest it. It's it's just not happening right now. Um, I might have been the guy about five, six weeks back that compared the fact that compared Chicolo with the number 56 to Rabel's 56 when he was there and uh, the fact that it reminded me of each other a little bit. So if you're talking about a few weeks back, yeah, that was me. Sorry. Well, Brian, you're also, I, I, I know you're a big Jarvis Jones fan and, and I know you, you, you know, you had high hopes for this guy, but that was probably his worst game I've ever seen. I mean, he's supposed to be, he's not a pass rusher, but he's supposed to be a run stopper. And like, and like Jeff said, they just ran the football at, down his, at, at his side at will. That was an embarrassment. Yeah, I really can't say too just, much about Jarvis yesterday either. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly just one of those situations where you kind of hold out hope, you know, but at the point now where Jarvis Jones is in his fourth season, um, I don't blame him. I blame the Steelers for drafting him where they did. Uh, for not really didn't look like they did their homework in terms of him and his capabilities. I think he was a mid-round draft pick that got drafted in the first round because he had a really good senior season in Georgia. Um, it's just bad. It's bad, and it's it, you know you look at Bud Dupree's injury is not helping at all because if Dupree were even basically just a step better than what he was last year, uh, he would be drawing attention on that side, right. leaving better matchups on the other side, and it's just he's not there. He's not there, and that's, that, that, and that hurts. But uh, what else you got for us, Bryce? Anything before we let you go? Um, just, you know, I like, look, I love the passion of Mike Mitchell. Got to play smarter. Uh, can't get these stupid penalties, particularly with the defense that gives up too many easy yards. Um, you can't be given 30 yards and penalties. I mean, I I love the. I thought the secondary had some had some good moments. Two really bad lapses. Like, what is Willie Gay thinking on that deep ball? That that was a bad lapse. And and the same with Artie Burns. They still got to get better. So I mean, I like Ross Cockrell. I think this was a game. We talked about this before, Jeff, where the tackling did come back to bite him. Um, he's not the best tackler. He's not the most physical guy. So you know, when the Dolphins got really physical. You know, you needed your corners to be able to be better in run support, and they got a little bit exposed. I think we kind of have to take that because I'd rather have guys that can cover. But, yeah, Mike Mitchell's got to stop taking stupid penalties. I don't care. Like, the celebrating, the league is just ridiculous with that. I could care less about guys celebrating, um, but can't get the penalties. Stupid. No, you're right. And thanks for the phone call, Bryce. We always appreciate it. Um, you know, the, the secondary was, was rough. The secondary was really rough uh, yesterday. There were some really 
simple breakdowns when you watch the the game again, uh, where for the first time, it seems like for the first time of the season, the opposition went with three wide receivers to get the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in their nickel package, and then they just ran on them. And if they didn't run on them, they were exposing William Gay from the slot. They exposed the zone coverage with Artie Burns running two verticals at him on that big pass play. And you know what's kind of disappointing to me, Brian, and I'll ask you if you saw the same thing. Um, it really seemed like the Miami Dolphins got physical with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's not very often that people say that. But you just watched it. I mean, it was chippy from the beginning. I wasn't expecting that. These two teams don't really have a grudge between each other. But I'll tell you what, they they brought, well, let's be honest, they took them to the woodshed. They took the Steelers to the woodshed, which is very rare. What did you do? Did you see that as well? Yeah, I thought I thought they were dominating over over them physically, and they uh, they pushed them around. It was it was like the bully on the playground, and they uh, or maybe the the bully just uh, somebody uh, somebody fought back to the bully. If uh, the Steelers were the bully coming in, somebody decided to step up to them, and that's what it felt like yesterday. I, it's just nothing felt right, and it felt like they were being pushed around. And the other thing, going into this game, a lot of people were celebrating the fact that Jordan Cameron was not going to be playing in that game at tight end, and they were going with two guys at tight end that didn't have much experience, didn't catch a lot of balls, and when they went to those guys uh, four or five times, they made plays, and they really exposed, uh, they exposed the Steelers, and it just makes me think, Gronk's coming to town, and if these guys were able to take advantage, that uh, that just means things aren't getting any better in that ca- in that uh, category. And with Gronk coming, number eighty-seven, I mean the guy has seven touchdowns already in only four games against Pittsburgh and against better defenses, and so that scares the living bejesus out of me. Yeah, absolutely. So Brian, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, go ahead and I'll give you the, uh, well, we call it the hangover. This will be our final call of the night. You can go ahead and stand on your bar stool. Go ahead and talk to Steeler Nation real quick. Go ahead into week seven. Well, you know what? I'm going to be short and sweet on this. Quit trying to fool everybody, guys. Um, Bryce brought up Wacky Todd. Look, just go back to basics. Do what you do well and do it. Now, with no Ben Roethlisberger in this game, you're going to have to dumb things down a little more. Maybe that's an advantage to just dumb things. Not that Ben's going to be out of the game, but just to dumb things down and go back to what you do well. Um, and it's Le'Veon Bell, and it's Antonio Brown, and it's just giving, uh, just making it more of a situation where Landry Jones can succeed. And uh, maybe this will be a lot closer than we think. Yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, putting this game, the Miami Dolphins loss behind us, you look at this upcoming game, these are the games, if you look back at Mike Tomlin's, you know, if, if Mike Tomlin has one big negative, it is he plays, he doesn't get his team prepared well, prepared well for these losing teams. What they don't mention is that he typically has his team prepared to play against the good teams. They normally play up to their competition they normally step up on the big stage. That's exactly what they have in front of them. People need to remember, last year, Roethlisberger missed four games. Landry Jones and Michael Vick combined for a 2-2 and two record. They beat the San Diego Chargers 
Um, and I'm trying to think who the second win was. Oh, the Arizona Cardinals, which no one thought they stood a chance in that game. They should have beaten the Baltimore Ravens if it weren't for Josh Scobie, and they would have been three and one. Their only loss, um, you know, it's it just it's only one loss. It's possible. I'm not saying it's it's likely, but the Steelers are going to come out. They're going to be firing on all cylinders. They're going to want to prove something. And if if the offensive can offensive line can play well, give Landry Jones time, give Le'Veon Bell running lanes, and the defense can get a few pieces back. Um, namely Ryan Shazier, then we'll see how they match up. We'll see how they match up. Ultimately, remember, I said this at the beginning of the show, the goal should always be win the division. So if you lose, you go to four and three. After the bye week, who do you have? The Baltimore Ravens, a team that's in second place in the AFC North, and you'll have a chance to put some distance between those two teams, and there's a lot of revenge going on there. So, folks, just a couple programming notes for you before we uh, call it an evening or a night, I should say. Uh, next week we'll be on after that Sunday game. We will not be on. There's no games. There's no, the bye week, there's no Steeler hangover. But as always, listen to Tuesday Night Show, which is uh, Brian's Fact or Fiction. And you can listen to myself and Lance Williams on Wednesday. The standard is the standard. And we'll give you some more steals to the underground as well as our black and gold NFL recap towards the weekend. We thank everyone for listening to the Steelers hangover. We hope we talk next week, maybe, after a really huge monumental upset. We'll see. Have a good one, folks. See you next time. Bye. Good night. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.